Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. In today's podcast, Brian talks with Virgin Islands National Parks Acting Superintendent Daryl Eccles about the hurricane recovery efforts there. The island was devastated by two Category 5 hurricanes, Hurricanes Irma and Maria in September 2017. The park announced all roads, trails, and beaches open on December 20th. However, the National Park Service is not running any interpretive programs at this time. Tremendous progress is expected in the coming months. I'm here with uh, Superintendent Daryl Eccles, who is the acting director of Virgin Islands uh, National Park. He has nearly 28 years of federal experience, mostly with the National Park Service. Um, Superintendent Eccles, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking time out. You know, uh, as as we talked a little bit before our our call today, uh, Danielle, myself, our two little girls were almost a year ago to the day were uh, on vacation at Virgin Islands National Park. Uh, had a wonderful time up and down, not just recreating in the beaches, but doing deeper dives into the Annenberg Plantation, the archaeology, uh, a lot of the children's programs, the, the junior ranger program. We had a great time. Um, so we were heartbroken when we saw the devastation from afar uh, that the hurricanes wrought. And I guess one thing we want to talk to you about is just where the park is now as we're here in late January 2018, how things are going, and just what the status report is um, in brief. So so how do things look as we stand right now? How heartbroken should we be? Um, well, when you compare the park today to where it was a year ago, it's clearly a different place. We have a lot of aspects of the park that have changed. So besides, right after the storm, seeing the park lose all the vegetation off the trees and the terrestrial vegetation, yeah, you know, a lot of that has come back. So a lot of the trees are greened up, so it doesn't look at first glance to be too different than what it was prior to the storms. From a visitor services perspective, all the beaches are open, mm-hmm. all the trails are open, uh, the visitor center is open, we're able to provide basic visitor information. We have uh, concessions operations working at Trunk to provide snorkel gear and the like. All of our mooring buoys are up and running and available. Uh, tours from cruise lines are coming to the park and bringing uh, significant numbers of folks, not as much as last year at this time, but still anywhere from 50 to 100 people, uh, in some cases up to 200 people, to some of our beaches to snorkel. So the people are here. The services are provided. The local community in Cruise Bay is getting back on their feet with lots of restaurants and the restaurant, uh, excuse me, the grocery stores open. So life is returned back to a new normal. But in essence, it's uh, providing the same basic services we provided prior to the storms. Right. So it sounds like uh, there's a, a slow and steady return to normal, but on some level, we can talk about this. The park's going to, it's going to change, right? There's going to be some necessary change, both both big and small. So we can talk about that in a bit. I, I just want to talk functionally, um, just because we established a lot of great relationships with the ranger, or at least our kids did, when we were down. So 
were most rangers evacuated and then reassigned um, for the storm and then post-storm? Well, since we had two storms back-to-back just a few weeks apart, uh, the first storm, most of our staff did not evacuate. They were here. Um, They weathered the storm. Uh, In some cases, some people did evacuate to shelters. In some cases, people went Mm off-island, but many of them stayed. When Maria came, or was headed this way, uh, given the devastation that occurred under Hurricane Irma, uh, there was some recognition that maybe we needed to evacuate people who were willing to evacuate. So we did evacuate staff to San Juan. Some evacuated to St. Thomas. Uh, some went to the States. So it depended on each individual. But for Maria, more staff evacuated the island than there were in the Hurricane Irma. Right. And of, of all those staff made it back, or if you were a ranger reassigned to another park somewhere on the mainland, that's just where you're going to be for now. How, how does that work generally? We had, so this is something that the Park Service hasn't really experienced before, where there was an in, a situation where yeah. a lot of our park staff that were housed in park housing were no longer able to be here because the housing units that they occupied were either significantly damaged or, in some cases, destroyed. So we had no place to place them. They lost all of their belongings. The position that they held at the park wasn't going to be um, available, i.e., we weren't going to be providing interpretive tours. Uh, We weren't going to be collecting fees. So those kinds of positions and those individuals needed a place to go. So we were able to identify places on the mainland in parks from California to New York for approximately 12 of our staff who are still off-island now as we work to get their housing units repaired. Right, right. And and on the other end, um, you arrived on November 5th uh, to the Virgin Islands. So, uh, you know, I'd love to hear the story about about that. I, You know, looking at your background, I'm going to take a big leap here. You know, you spent a lot of time, including college and for the Fish and Wildlife Service in Corpus Christi. You spent some time um, at Cape Hatteras National Seashore. You know, are you the National Park Service's hurricane expert, uh, re- you know, reconstruction expert? Is this, am I making a big supposition here that you have a lot of experience, given where you've lived in the past, that uh, Park Service sent you down there to, to take charge to, to, for the rehabilitation? Well, well, I would like to say that that is true. That is not <laughs> the reason that I ended up in Virgin Islands. Uh, clearly, most of my career has been on the coast. And so I, besides having a marine biology background and also growing up along the coast and then spending the vast majority of my career in coastal parks, I'm intimately familiar with coastal processes and the effects of storm and what it takes for post-storm recovery. However, for this particular instance, there was a couple of things that needed to align. One was that this park, both the senior management positions in the park, the superintendent and the deputy superintendent, those positions have been vacant for a while. Ah. Uh, Those individuals retired and or moved on to other uh, positions. So they first needed someone to come in that can understand what it takes to run a park, um, and help the park just deal with normal park operations. Then coupled with the fact that two storms hit, there's a lot of recovery needs to be met. 
there's a lot of efforts that need to be undertaken. Um, and then in my current position as a, a regional chief of science and natural resources management with prior superintendent experience, there was an opportunity uh, to, to consider me as the acting superintendent. I was already slated to come to Virgin Islands as part of the Western Incident Management Team right. to function as a liaison officer, which meant that I would be working on displaced vessels, working between the Park Service and Coast Guard and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. So I was already coming, and then the regional director decided that he needed somebody here a little longer than just a couple of weeks. Voila. I'm here. And now you're here. So so I probably should have assumed that it was a little bit more serendipitous and coincidence than uh, when I looked at your background, I thought, you know, he may be the hurricane ringer for the National Park Service. <laughs> and, you know, if something hits San Padre, God forbid, this this uh, hurricane season, you're, you know, you, you, bat, you get the bat signal and you, you'll parachute on in. But, uh, well, it's good to hear that you're there. And, uh, um, and it sounds like it was just everything aligned with someone with your expertise to be there to be helpful on the uh, as the recovery continues. So, you know, Superintendent Eccles, you talked about the park. Uh, the parks obviously open, trails are open, beaches are open. We have some facilities, uh, some facilities back. We stayed at uh, at the campgrounds at uh, at Cinnamon Bay. What is? And I knew when we were there, it, a concessionaire had just taken over. What's the status of? The campgrounds, if, if we wanted to come back, can we pitch a tent? Uh, the status of the eco-tents and cabins, how how is that? So you're right. Cinnamon Bay, uh, about a year ago, a little over, uh, the contract to run the concessions operation at Cinnamon Bay, that would be the store and the restaurant and the cottages and then ultimately the eco-tents. Um, changed hands and we had a new operator and they went through basically a season and then was uh, affected significantly by both storms. At present, Cinnamon Bay is closed uh, for the foreseeable future. Now, that doesn't mean forever. That just means it's not going to be open in the next few months. The concessionaire is currently working with their insurance company uh, and their staff and their accountants and those kinds of right. uh, positions and individuals to determine how to make the repairs, when they can make the repairs, uh, how does the damage currently uh, experienced at Cinnamon Bay affect the existing contract. So there's a lot of contractual decisions and discussions that need to be made, and then there's also some practical on-the-ground efforts that need to be undertaken, of right. removing debris, getting buildings rebuilt, those kinds of things. So it's going to be a while before Cinnamon Bay comes back online and provides camping, cottage rentals, and the services that they provided in the past. To be clear, is the beach open? Could Can one make their way from the parking lot to the beach, or is the beaches closed as well for Cinnamon Bay? No, all the beaches are open. Okay. Uh, at Cinnamon Bay specific, the parking areas are open, they're cleared of debris, and there are portable, portable toilets there available for folks to use. And then there's a large path that gets you all the way down to the beach. So you can, you know, bring your lawn chair or your beach towel, and you can walk the beach, snorkel in the water, hang out for the day. Great. Uh, there's no opportunities to camp there right now, but you can enjoy the beach and you can enjoy the water. Got it. And so just with accommodations, 
with the campground. Of course, Cinnamon Bay was, as you well know, the only campground in the park. Uh, our hotels, Cruise Bay, elsewhere on St. John, open. We, we, we did see that some were closed. Some were uh, housing relief workers. Are there, are there open accommodations um, on the island if someone wanted to visit now? The, there, there aren't hotel accommodations available on St. John. There are some hotel accommodations on St. Thomas. However, on St. John, there's a lot of individual house rental areas, and there are a few small boutique mm-hmm. hotels, you know, five- and ten-bedroom hotels run by a local family. There's a few of those that are open that are providing rooms that uh, some are booked up and some are, have some availability. So there's plenty of lodging. Uh, across the island, Coral Bay uh, has has rental properties available for rent, uh, but some of their facilities, much like Cruise Bay, are still going through some efforts for yeah. reconstruction or repair. But there's a, there's enough places to stay if folks want to come to St. John. And and how does that recovery effort look? Obviously, you have your own recovery effort within the national park. Have you, are you working hand in glove with local authorities and local institutions um, X, the national park on St. John? How, how are you partnering with the community? There's a lot of efforts underway on St. John that are being led by uh, nonprofit organizations like the Bloomberg foundation, uh, the Kenny Chesney group, those kinds of things as well as Red Cross United Way. There's federal agencies like FEMA, um, Small Business Administration, uh, Coast Guard, of course, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is dealing with the debris cleanup on the island. There's a lot of efforts across the island that are currently underway to get St. John back on its feet. We're partnering with many of those entities in two ways. One, anything related to getting the park open. And I'll use an example of removing the woody debris that it was in our parking lots or on our roads or on our trails. That woody debris has been uh, collected and it's been combined with the woody debris from the rest of the island in the in the, in the staging areas. But, however, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has contractors who are driving around in neighborhoods and on roads and collecting any roadside debris that remains. So, some of the places they're collecting are within our parks. Uh, they're using our roads, and in some cases, they're staging in areas of the park uh, to put equipment or vehicles. So we're helping facilitate that work as much as we can. As you may recall, there was a lot of issues with power. Mm-hmm. Many of the power lines were down. Many of the power poles were down. Transformers were destroyed. Uh, BBC and the Water and Power Authority for the territory have been working daily for hours on end to get the electrical system back up on St. John. Most of the island, almost the entire island, received power before the end of the year. So we've been helping them by giving them staging areas and facilitating permits and uh, providing traffic control, those kinds of efforts around the areas of the park and the community that we could get to. So we're facilitating everywhere we can. The other thing that we're doing as a result is kind of a silver lining. St. John has, is taking this opportunity 
collectively to see what needs to be done to make the island of St. John more resilient, provide more reliable power or more reliable services, um, and how do we address some long-standing issues facing St. John? Right. Things like senior services, schools, tourism, and economic development, either environmental sustainability. These are work groups that have been established by the St. John Community Foundation to look at long-term recovery planning for the island. And we are attending all the meetings, participating in the work groups, providing input, ideas, evaluation of uh, potential projects to help move things on forward. Uh, so we're helping every way we can with the community as far as long-term planning, mm-hmm. individual projects, and then with specific actions within the park like power um, repairs and recovery in those lines. So, so along, there's a lot of collaboration occurring. Well, speaking of collaboration and along those lines, I imagine you may be getting visitors who um, want to have a service vacation and want to be helpful. How do you suggest those visitors volunteer their time? Where could they go? Well, who, like, who should they see? Right now, there's there's a lot of interest, clearly, of people that want to come to the island and donate time and help with the recovery. A lot of those efforts, uh, which normally would be coordinated by, say, the park or our friends group or uh, you know St. John Community Foundation and the like, a lot of those opportunities haven't been stood back up yet. Mm. So like I use the park for an example, we don't have our volunteer coordinators and we don't have our full complement of staff and we're not able to provide the normal level of management and oversight for projects that we're not able to take volunteers right now and put towards certain projects around the park. And we probably won't be able to do that till probably April, if I was kind of guessing. Uh, The Friends of Arizona National Park, our friends group, they also have a coordinated volunteer program where they accept volunteers. They are also not fully staffed, but they are collecting names and phone numbers and contact information so that if people come later, or our local if they want to volunteer, that when we get to a point of being able to support volunteerism, we can do that. Right. St. John Community Foundation has a volunteer work group, oh, excuse me, a work group that's looking at volunteerism. They are establishing a number of processes that people can come to the island, sign up, and volunteer for all sorts of projects like debris cleanup and marketing and and the like. So there's a lot of opportunities there. Tourism Cares, which is a large tourism-based volunteerism program. They're working with the Park Service at a larger level to coordinate volunteer efforts for large projects. This might be things like lionfish removal or shoreline restoration projects or debris cleanups along the shoreline. Those kinds of projects, and those will be later in the year, but they're, we're working with them right now to try to develop the types of projects and to identify the logistical needs so that we can develop our full-blown projects so they can come out to the island and help in a bigger, in essence, a bigger scale. 
Uh, got it. And I want to, it sounds like every day is getting better than the last, than the prior day. And I want to talk a little bit about that, but what do you think was the greatest loss you had in the park? The greatest loss? Yeah. Well, from an operational perspective, the loss of our housing units and the loss of our office buildings. Right. They are significant in the sense that the staff are displaced and I have no place to place them, so I need to get them back. So going through the efforts of rebuilding housing is taking some time. Um, so that's a, a large operational concern for housing. From a visitor perspective, the largest loss is the loss of our utility systems at Cinnamon Bay and Trunk Bay. Mm -hmm. Those utility systems were flooded with salt water, uh, which took out our pumps and our electrical panels and wiring and the like. So we're not able to produce potable water at Trunk, which means our showers aren't running, our bathrooms aren't functional. We're not able to provide the concessions programs like beverage and food um, that we would normally provide. So that's been a significant change, as you know, or likely know that Trump Bay is one of the top beach destinations in the Caribbean, if not in the world. They rely on those visitor services, and we're not able to provide them at this point. We will soon, but we're not there yet. Well, along those lines of not there yet, if we had this call a year from now, what progress do you expect to be made in this calendar year? I think there's going to be significant progress that will occur over the next six to ten months. Um, a lot of it will be dependent upon when and if we receive supplemental funding in the form of the uh, disaster recovery bill that Congress is considering for the U.S. Mm-hmm. or through funding opportunities provided by the Park Service through our normal funding streams internal. The special appropriations could be, or is likely going to be, a significant funding effort in the near term. And if that's the case, clearly that will allow us to get some of the needs addressed much quicker and easier than if we have to rely on our normal funding streams. Either way, our goal is to make the park whole again, using whatever means we have available to us, whether that's our own funding or using our friends group or a special appropriation from Congress. So how fast the funding comes will determine how fast we address all the outstanding needs of the park. But all in all, I expect in the next six months for our housing to be, excuse me, our housing to be addressed and staff back in the park and interpretive programming to be back to normal mm. and our utility systems at Trunk Bay functioning. Well, that's very good news. And, and just to affirm what you said a little while ago, we on Long Island went through, you talked about a silver lining. We had to have the tough conversation on resiliency and rebuilding after Irene and Sandy in back-to-back years in 11 and 12. Um, and look, we're only, only now we're starting to see some of that come online in terms of infrastructure being built, well, over the last few years, and there's still more work to do. But those tough conversations had to happen, and, uh, 
and they came as a direct result, sadly, of Irene and, and Sandy. So uh, here at home on Long Island, so I imagine, I imagine your, your community and the park itself will be going through a lot of those same conversation. If it's anything like ours, uh, a lot of positives have come out of it. A lot of long time coming, frank conversations have come out of it and action. So um, here's hoping that it's the the same result. Uh, for you all, uh, Superintendent Eccles, you know, I know you're extraordinarily busy and, and every minute you're on the phone with me is, is another minute you're not out helping the park recover. Um, but you've only been there since November 5th. You know, we, we ask this question, generally speaking, of all our interviewees and our interview subjects. But in particular, you have this perspective where you've been out there exclusively in recovery mode. Don't know if you had visited before, but even in recovery mode and rehabilitation mode, um, what strikes you about Virgin Islands National Park? You know, do you have a have you do you have yet a favorite spot yet that you would that you would share with us? Maybe even with the backdrop of a storm recovery, do do you have anything you'd share with us on on that since you've been there and since you've arrived a couple months ago? There's absolutely there are several things that have been striking to me. I did not have the pleasure of coming to Virgin Islands prior to Hurricane Irma Maria, so my perspective of the Virgin Islands was geared towards stories people had told me, pictures I had seen, articles I had read. And none of that, I'm sure, did justice to the way the park, the island, and the community was a year ago. Mm -hmm. However, sitting in South Florida for Hurricane Irma, recovery release for uh, the South Florida park, we watched Hurricane uh, uh, Maria affect the Virgin Islands just a few weeks after Irma. So the images we saw were aerial images of the island that had not a speck of vegetation and green anywhere right. to be seen and the widespread devastation. So coming here early part of November, nearly two months later, I expected in many cases the island to look exactly or very similar to the way it looked sitting in South Florida in early September. And it wasn't the case. The amount of green vegetation that has regrown was amazing. Uh, it just was a testament to the resiliency of the island as a whole as it has weathered storm after storm for eons. Right. But it was just how fast it came back that was surprising. Yeah. The other, more surprising than that, the other aspect of St. John that, that really caught my attention are the people of St. John. I would have conversations with park staff, with community members, community leaders, and would ask them, how did you fare in the storm? And I'd get a response similar to, I did okay. Which was like, really? Okay. Um, did you have any damage to your house? Um, a little bit. What did you, are you okay? Can you stay in your house? And I said, no. Uh, I lost my roof or my my house was destroyed and you're surprised that they're standing here telling you that they're okay and they're smiling about it and they seem to be happy and then they all of a sudden say something to the effect of, I'm alive, life is great, I'm very happy. And that was a universal message I received from nearly every single person I talked to. And having been at Hurricane Irene and Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Sandy, all these other hurricanes over the last 25 years, 
that sentiment from the local community that was significantly affected in the way this community was, was extremely surprising. Wow. I did not hear that at Hurricane Sandy. I did not hear it at Hurricane Irene and others. Um, and I think it's a testament to the way the community, the way Islanders here on St. John approach life in general. And it's also manifesting itself, as I mentioned earlier, these long-term recovery strategies that are being developed by work groups that are comprised of local individuals, local leaders who see a bigger picture possible for St. John, and they're working together to make that a reality. I think that's just collectively unique and special for St. John, and I was not surprised. I was very surprised at that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a pretty special spot. So, it, and and I can attest to that. That is not the same attitude we shared after our hurricane. So, I think uh, you're in a very special spot. Last, last question, and, and we thank you for your time. Is uh, just where would visitors find some of the latest information on the status of the park, since it seems to be pretty dynamic and changing? Um, Facebook is a good source of information. We're posting things to Facebook nearly every day. Got it. Uh, local news outlets, um, News of St. John, VI uh, Source, those local news papers and blogs and, and uh, other forms of media outlets are staying pretty current with what the status is on St. John and, in particular, the status of, of the national park. Uh, community meetings held every month, the last Thursday of the month, well attended last night's meeting probably had in the neighborhood of 100 people attending. And the media outlets were there uh, taking notes and posting information. So there's a pretty concerted effort to get the word out as to the status, the progress of St. John. Um, and it's pretty readily available for the specific for the park. It would be our Facebook site. Our website is updated regularly, but it's about every once. Uh, two weeks, maybe three weeks at a time. Uh, so it may be a little bit outdated, but our Facebook page clearly is getting updated every day. Well, great. Well, listen, Superintendent Darrell Eccles, thank you very much for the time you spent with us. You sounds like you have a big job ahead of you, but uh, uh, it's remarkable the progress that's been made already since since these storms hit. So we're we're very much looking forward to getting back down ourselves and and seeing you all. You have a wonderful staff that we can. Uh, I'm sure you've already seen that, so we're uh, we're very excited to come down and see everybody again and uh, see the park as it recovers. So once again, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Good luck. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. Virgin Islands National Park is open to visitors. Check the park's Facebook page for the latest status. The territory continues to recover and rebuild from the hurricanes. While some of the larger hotels renovate, there are smaller accommodation options, restaurants, and attractions that are open for business. As always, show notes and links to resources for this episode may be found on our website, everybody'snationalparks.com. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, write a review and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or send us your comments at everybody'snationalparks.com forward slash contact. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us 
at hashtag everybody's national parks on Instagram from the parks you are visiting. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.